In labor relations, negotiations are rarely just between two individual people. They almost always involve teams of people. And when the two sides gather at the bargaining table or at labor management meetings, this becomes a group of people gathered together to solve problems and reach agreements. So finding facilitation tools that are able to unlock the power of groups is useful in labor relations. In this episode of The Percolator, I'm talking with Tom Malazan, Strategy Officer at the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service, about liberating structures. Liberating structures are facilitation tools that negotiators might find helpful in bargaining, within a bargaining team, for conversations with constituents, or in any other setting that could benefit from tools to help have better conversations. Hi, Tom. How are you today? I'm good, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you today as a guest on our podcast, and I've invited you today to join us and talk about liberating structures and how that could apply to negotiations and labor relations. So my first question for you, Tom, is what are liberating structures and how'd you get into them? Okay. Yeah, it's a good starting question. So liberating structures is a group of exercises, small group exercises is a good way to describe them, that were put together in a book that came out. I'm thinking I've had the book at least 10 years. It's called The Surprising Power of Liberating Structures. And the authors are Henry Lipmanowitz and Keith McCandless. And the, the kind of the subtitle to the book is Simple Rules to Unleash a Culture of Innovation. So there are 33 small group exercises, interactions, And the thing that to me made them stand out is that they're structured in a way that I could use them pretty easily. I could, uh, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about some examples later on, but I could take them either from the website because they have a really good website that we can share the link to or the book that uh, I bought a few years ago and just adapt it to either the training or mediation or whatever I was involved in that I thought it might apply to. Great. So it sounds like there are a series of tools to use in a facilitation to work with the group. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your favorites? Yeah. So I can, and I think maybe it's useful to, to talk about examples of, of when I've used it in the work and I can, I can do that without naming particular parties, but yeah. So just to describe one of them that I've used quite a few times is one that's called TRIDS, okay? And they always they have kind of these interesting names. And sometimes it takes a little while to drill down to find out what the TRIDS, what, what they came from. And I actually can't remember at the top of my head where TRIDS comes from. The application I can think of is like a labor management group I'm working with. And it's a labor management committee that's trying to improve their um, relationship, right? So it's a labor management committee that I'm training. Mm-hmm. And I'll have them do this exercise. And what it asks them to do is to think about the opposite of their goal. If their goal is to have the best labor management relationship possible, what behaviors, actions, activities would they see that would be the opposite of that? That would create the worst environment possible. And then they list those. And there's a process of kind of, you know, a, a small group process around that. And then you can take different variations on it. You could say, okay, now out of that list that you just created of the worst possible behaviors or, or traits or scenes, uh, you know, signs of a, of a labor management relationship, are there elements that you see in your 
your work right now? Are, are the things that you're actually, you know, seeing that that you're are playing out in real time, and then you can talk about that. And there's so with with each of the structures, there's a a setup, and then you can run a number of different variations on that theme. But that that's that's one that comes to mind. Excellent. That sounds like a lot of fun because you're kind of thinking about like the opposite, like how can we be really awful at this? And then you're you're thinking about how to flip that into something useful. That sounds like a really fun exercise to be able to work with a group to help solve a problem. Yeah. And I think that point you just made about the fun element seems to be one of the threads that runs through a lot of these structures. They're fun to do. And, you know, as we've been in the last couple of years in mostly virtual environments, the activities translate pretty well virtually, but they really were developed to be done in a room with live people and you're interacting physically. And so, you know, one of the other ones that I've done when I'm in a conference and I want to have an opening activity, there's this beginning exercise called impromptu networking. And it's just a series of questions you give people that they can roam around a room with people they've never met and ask these questions. And, you know, it sounds like, okay, it's really simple and how novel is that? But it's just put you know, put together in a way that is interesting enough and easy enough to use that, like I said, I've taken it off the shelf, done it in conferences, and within 15 minutes, you have everybody in the room interacting together and asking each other a question related to the topic at hand, right? Or a couple of questions. So they're, they're, they are really fun. That sounds great. So it sounds like uh, Liberating Structures has a menu of, of ideas that you can use to work with a group whether it's a icebreaker kind of opening at a conference or whether you're in a group in a meeting doing something together. But that sounds like a, a nice way to think about what might be some good ideas. Yeah. And, and I'm not a, I'm not going to give any legal advice on, on this. I don't think that's the idea, but they do have the, the sort of uh, user, what am I coming up with? What, what the license or whatever you want to call it for, for use is pretty broad. So as long as you're not, you know, trying to, charge money or, or put your your handle out there as as a liberating structures guru or whatever just using it in in the context of your work it's a open you know what i'm talking about the license it's like an yeah. open source kind of yeah. yeah it seems like it's it's really structured as a way to here's a bunch of really great ideas and here's some recipes on how to do them um so yeah. so i first learned about liberating structures from you years ago uh you did a session right? with yeah uh, um, it was it was down south of Seattle, and you had a whole bunch of mediators there. And um, oh I yeah, forget, yep. I forget what it was called, but that's what opened my eyes to it. And it feels like yep. it was such a handy set of tools that was organized so well that I could think about, oh, here's a tool. Here's what how long it will take. Here's the yep. goal of the tool. <laughs> here's how to yeah, start it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They really do lay it out easily. Like that was a workshop that was done with the federal executive board. And I, if I remember correctly, I was kind of in the process of working out of that position. I used to manage that that ADR group, but they actually brought somebody in from kind of the liberating structures group who was a trainer. And so that was a real treat because that person had kind of the, you know, but you don't have to be, you don't have to have that level of expertise to do it. I, another one you've probably seen because it's, it's, it's kind of, Another thing that they do with the structures is they can be strung together, as you know, in these successions that make sense. And one of them that I've used often is called one, two, four, all. And it's just really simply a way to bring people through a process of thinking about a question or a topic where they 
meditate it on their own for a minute, you know, to kind of acknowledge that there are people that process things internally and, and are more introverted than extroverted. Then they combine into pairs and kind of share the topics that, that, that they came up with. And then they come together as a group of four and kind of compare, combine and con- contrast those ideas. And then the whole group comes together. And the whole thing can be done in about 12 minutes. And again, it's, it's a very interactive, fun way to uh, work through a topic. And that can be, that one, two, four, all structure can be interwoven in a bunch of different structures that are, that are, uh, that are in, in the, you know, in the set. Oh, that sounds great. And I feel like that sounds like it's a great way to balance the ability for people to have some introspection and some thought before they just start everyone talking (laughs) on top of each other. You know, everyone has a chance to think, everybody has a chance to reach some conclusion. They don't have to raise their hand in front of the group in the beginning. They just have to think about what do they want to share with one person. And then- the pair gets to talk about what was interesting to share with another pair and you, mm-hmm. and you slowly build up. So when you get to the group to conversation, it might not be exactly what every little group talked about, but you get the essence of some really good things. Exactly. Oh, um, a- so should I, should I talk about a couple more? I don't oh, I'd to, love uh, it. Yes. No, okay. that's great. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's another one that's called heard, seen and respected H H S R heard, seen and respected. And, Again, it's a very simple idea, and it's basically a listening exercise is the way I describe it. It's a very simple way to have a pair of people listen to one another very intensely. intently. But what I found is that there are so many applications. In a conflict resolution workshop that I've done, I'll have people use this herd scene and uh, respect it. And the idea is don't ask questions. Don't try to figure out why, don't do any of the things that maybe your mediator mind is telling you to do, just listen. And it forces you to just use your, your ears. And, and, you, and the fact that you can't ask questions is actually very difficult for people that have been used to asking questions for many years of the work they do. And I've used it in the setting, in that setting, I've also used it in more intense team conflicts where I'll ask the parties in the, you know, when we're working together for a couple of days, uh, and trying to work through some of the deeper issues that a team might be having, I'll ask people to pair up. And this has been fascinating to me. Two or three times when I've used it in this context, the two people that had the biggest conflict in that on those teams, on opposite parts of the teams, found each other, did this exercise, and they had a breakthrough. Oh, wow. So you and let that, people pick their own partner? Yeah. Is that how you do it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> and, and and it was way beyond what I expected for, for this to happen the first time it happened. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I just I had no idea it was going to go there. And they went right to the heart of what they needed to talk about with each other. And it kind of broke open the rest of the day. So I thought that was a super powerful application of, of that particular tool. And it sounds like a really timely tool right now. I mean, we, we've been living in such a weird world for a couple of years now, and I'm wondering if our ability to listen to each other and how that works might need a tune-up after, right? after all these remote times and, and weird communication where we can't actually see each other. So whether it's online or in person, practicing those listening skills seems like it's really timely right now. All right. And all the silos we seem to find ourselves in, right? And how it can be you know, so, you know, yeah. And, and, and in group sort of bias that we can develop from not seeing people outside of our groups for so long, right? Yeah. There's all those reasons that I think that's probably more timely than ever. 
I can go ahead and, and share a couple more, but I don't want to uh, no, no, go too go. far in this and overwhelm. Tell me okay. some more. That's great. No. <laughs> well, so, so, I mean, it's funny because as I thought about it today, I just kept having these examples that kept popping out to me. And, and, I, and I know you're familiar with uh, many of these that I've already listed and uh, feel free to, to, to share any example of your own. But so another one that I've, I've enjoyed, and it's kind of a risky sort of a, there is a risk involved in some of these. And, and I like that because it forces people out of their comfort zone. And this one is called Troika Consulting. And the idea for this one, again, it can be done virtually, but I've, I've found it really powerful if you, if, you know, if you're actually in a room full of people, you have people uh, separate into groups of three and one person volunteers to present a problem to the other two people and the other two serve as consultants and the person presents, okay, I have a problem having a problem with my next door neighbor. I'll just make that up. Right. It's over the dispute about where my property line begins and theirs ends. And, uh, and then the two consultants, it's all very structured. They have a few minutes to ask some clarifying questions of the person who's presenting the problem. And then they, they actually have the person physically turn their chair around so that their back is to the consultants. And the consultants spend the next few minutes talking to each other about the person's problem. <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds crazy, right? It's risky. Like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell these people a problem and they're going to talk about me behind my back, literally behind my back. That's what happens. And then the person, after that's done, they turn around and then they give feedback to the, the consultants. And it's, it's a way for people to get super honest with each other really fast, right? So yeah. it's a risk. But I found, again, it to be really popular. And people are respectful of the fact that this is a person that's taking a risk. And this is my experience. They're taking a risk. So we're not going to say something awful when they turn their back around. We're going to say things that are very supportive and affirming, and but also maybe explore some areas that they haven't looked into yet. So uh, I found that to be that to be very, very powerful as well. You know, I think that's a great example of a liberating structure because it, it changes the format in a conversation in a way that's not intuitive. It's not how we normally sit around and talk about things. Right. So it right. It, it it mixes it up. And and maybe that works if you walk in, and you say, hey, let's try something different. Let's let's do some problem solving in a different way. I have an idea rather than like, hey, let's do a liberating structure. Like, you know, <laughs> in fact, right. I had some friends right. who who uh, I met some people that that do liberating structures as a as like a consultant for like big companies in Seattle, but they don't necessarily say today's liberating structure is X. They just kind of come in and say, hey, we're going to work on this problem and do it X and Y and Z. So it's almost right. like you do it, but you don't necessarily... You just do it as an idea to get a group going, you know, and you show yeah, up with. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, and, and you know, this, some of the ideas aren't like brand new, you know, there's a, there's an idea in there called conversation cafe and there's, and there's an appreciative inquiry. Right. But they, they're packaged in a way that they're very easy to, to use no matter what your, your level is of entry. And that's what I like about them. Right, right. And I and that's another thing I like about liberating structures is I mean, I mentioned before it seems easy, but that web page is fantastic. It seems it's like good, yep. yeah, you can buy the book and and you know, but but right there on the web page is a really great way to poke around and try out some ideas and see what might work and see where this could go. You really do have 
everything you need if you want to get started. It, you know, you just don't have to be dangerous. No, but it really is good. Uh, it's got the menu of of all the different structures and it breaks them down for you. And and uh, yeah, we should also mention uh, that uh, you know because one of the uh, the right the founders and the writers of the book uh, is from Seattle here, uh, Keith McCandless. I don't know how much he, he stays involved with this, but there is actually a meetup group. And I believe if they haven't changed, it's been a while since I've been there, but they, they get together on Thursday evenings, like once a month wow. and people, I, and I'm, my guess is that it's been virtual for a while, but prior to, you know, the pandemic, they were meeting in person. Yeah. And, but the idea is people get together and, Someone leads leads people through some a couple of these structures, and people get to practice with it from from people in Seattle. So if you're interested, if you if you go on Meetup, uh, you know that app Meetup.com or whatever, you can find the Liberating Structures User Groups. I think what they call it. Sounds great. Sounds great. So yeah. um, well, thanks so much for coming coming here on the podcast today and talking to me about this. This is oh, something I've absolutely. Always found fascinating. Thank you again. Thanks for coming today. And thanks for being a part Thank of this you. conversation. And I think this is all such great stuff. And you've been inspiring me to think about liberating structures. So I'm so excited to share this with everybody else. <laughs> it's been my pleasure.